our mother. Yes, Good to Lord. see you, Mom. Welcome. And all to the angels of this house, Pastor, First Lady, thank you for welcoming me once again. I want today to offer, I want to say carefully, a season word for Bethel Worship Center. You know, every one of our lives, whether we like it or not, goes to change. And we agree with that. We don't agree about anything else today. Can we agree with the fact that each and every one of our lives will go through change? Old, young, <laughs> sick and healthy, losing a job, whatever it is, our lives will inevitably encounter change. But I want to offer today a simple title today, and that is Building Bridges into New Seasons. We always have a challenge in our seasons of doing one of two things. We have the challenge of throwing up a wall when we're, we're struggling, or we have the challenge of building a bridge. Yeah. Walls we know are designed to keep people out, keep things out, keep you in. Bridges are designed to hopefully circumvent a gap in your life, an obstacle in your life. And I want to offer today two passages of scripture for a foundation. One is from John chapter 4, verse 5 through 9. And I offer this question, who needs a bridge? How many of you travel downtown every day, whether it's King Bridge, whether it's the Sam Usual Bridge, or whether it's the Poplar Street Bridge, or Jeff J.B. Bridge, if you're going south from where we're at. If you're going into St. Louis or Illinois, if you want to get there in any reasonable period of time to cross the Mississippi River, you're going to get on a bridge, whether you like it or not. Yeah. I don't care how far south you go or how far north you go, you will encounter a bridge if you plan to get to St. Louis from East St. Louis in any reasonable period of time without a boat or a ferry. Right. And the question goes through our mind, who needs one? And I want to offer John chapter 4, a very short passage of scripture, verse 5 through 9 for a foundation. And in doing so, Jesus, he arrived at a Samaritan town called Sychar, near the tract of land that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, tired from him, tired as he was from his journey, sat down to rest by the well. It was about then, the sixth hour, about noon, lunchtime here. Presently, when a woman from Samaria came along to draw water, Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone off into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me a Samaritan and a woman for a drink? For the Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. Who needs a bridge? Number one, the first type of person who needs a bridge are the lost. There are people that are around us even every day of our lives. Jesus went down with his disciples just while he's traveling. And while he's in Samaria, he, he comes to a well. You can picture the diversity, the the friction of the relationships between the Jewish and the Samaritan people. It was not the norm, nor was it heard of for them to sit down at the same table and not only break bread, have a drink, and have any type of relationship. And Jesus goes right to the Samaritan woman and says, hey, give me something to drink. What was he doing? He's like, I know the differences in our skin and the complexion. I, I know the cultural diversity divides us, 
2, verse 17. And it says, He, Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Jesus constantly building a bridge to those that are hurting. We have those that are lost. We have those that have been hurt. And I want to talk about the third kind of person. And that is that type of person that is transitioning. How many have transitioned in the last 10 years in something? You, you made a move in your home. You made a transition in ministry. You made a transition in relationship. You have had health issues that has caused a whirlwind of things to happen in your life that were unexpected. Curtis and I watched a dear business friend of ours go through fighting cancer not once, twice, but three times or more before a month and a half ago failing dying to the cancer he's overcome more than three times. We all are at different places of transition whether we like it or not. And one of the things that is difficult in seasons of transition, we want us to be able to walk into the season God opens the door and there are seasons in our lives where you walk up and enter the season by an open door. Yeah. How many of you have seen that? You have a job opportunity that comes to you suddenly. Yeah. You have a, a, a brother who called me a few days ago. He just got back from Alabama. He's like, Russ, you won't believe this. My boss called me in, gave me a supervisor position. He said, I've only been in this, this, this field and this office for two years. He goes, no one in my office has that position. All right. And they just offered it to do with benefits and a raise. And he goes, I didn't see it come. There are seasons where God will open doors in front of you. And you step through and you cross over. And it seems as though there was a waste of time and there was energy spent crossing over. You see where you're leaving for a car and someone will come into your life and and so God opened the door and you stepped in and that need is met. There are seasons like that in every one of our lives, whether we like it or not, there are seasons where doors open and we cross over. Right. But what do you do when the season that you're walking into does not require a door, but requires a bridge? What is the thing that is stopping you from your destiny and your dreams? It's not a doorway, but what is it's a requirement of a bridge that you're required to build. And one of my favorite stories, I love this, I've studied it to death, and I hate to say it, but it's a 135-year-old story. Oh, and it began with a man named John Rowley. John was an architect, a brilliant engineer from Germany, and right around the late 18th century, he relocated his family to the States. When he, be, and when he relocated to the United States, he began... His family settled in there in northern Pennsylvania. There he would continue to build bridges and structures and continue to grow in his career as an architect and as a genius designer of structures. Then through a season of things that unfolded in his life, John would relocate his family to New York City. I don't know what was possessing his mind, but in the 1870s, it was different from what it is we know today. After this genius architect and engineer moved to New York City, he noticed something. Between Brooklyn and New York, there's a, there's a river that runs that separates these two places. And for almost 60 years prior to his move into New York City, there were 
going to drink. It's kind of starting to unfold, but before you realize it, your dream and your vision is going through not five, not six, eight, ten, but twelve different renderings of the same plan to get to the same destination. Right. And when the twelve ones were done, it was submitted to the city, they said, that's it. And John Oatley and his team of engineers would begin construction on what we know as today the modern Brooklyn Bridge. A, a historical, architectural, structural landmark of the nation. Yes. John had a problem, though. He, on day, as they began the construction of the, what we know as the Brooklyn Bridge, he began to see the caissons into the east side and the west side. As the one side would descend down to the, to the bottom of the, the riverbed, and they would begin to dig the structure out from the inside out. That pressurized container, they got down and hit bedrock at 44 feet. It's incredible. Right. 44 feet, they got there, they got it. Uh-huh. But the opposite side of the river, as they continued to dig, they noticed they went from 44 feet to 50 feet to 60. And at 76 feet, they were still digging deeper, trying to find bedrock to build this structure upon. Wow. And as the structure was going down to the foundations, John Rowley was on a barge. The architect, he's just on a bar giving a scope for what had taken place. The history tells us that as he was standing on the barge, another boat had pushed it against the barge, and his foot, his leg, became crushed in between the two barges. Of course, in 1876, 1860, he decided he used a self-help method, y'all know that, a wholeness way of doing things, and he tried to waterborne method of continually running water over the open sores of his feet. A few days later, the, the genius mastermind project would die of tetanus. You ever see a vision begin to get in motion, and then there's a sudden turn of events that no one has saw. And the, the, the mastermind is now dead in his grave. Because you go on and read the history, and says that his son Washington stepped up to the mic. Came aside to that vision, and he continued the vision of building the bridge. And actually, to his own demise, the caisson building of these these powerful stone structures deep in the riverbed exposed men and men the thing they never heard of before called diver sins or the bends. And Washington, this lovely architect was descending into the riverbed day after day, sometimes six to eight hours at a time, and he developed a bend and actually got diver sickness to the point that it debilitated him to where he was taken from there to a room in his home. And they said you could see the Brooklyn Bridge's construction site from his bedside. And his wife Mary was at his side. He could not literally or physically come out of his house at all after he was diagnosed. 
this season, what types of problems are you trying to solve? Yeah. Is it time for a new building? Do I need to start my new business? Do I need to change? Go back to school and get a new degree because my 9 to 5 job I have right now is not working. Do I need to relocate my family? As some friends of mine that did that in one of my mission fields, they're like, Russ, we're going to move 12 hours to a new location. I said, what is wrong with you? They're like, the commerce of that area will better provide for the needs of my family. I have to go where the work is. And I was like, how much does it cost to get your butt down there? Because sometimes relocating is a strategic move. But you have to force yourself to look at what is on the current side of the riverbanks we live with. What's on the other side where you're going? And how will you adjust to a new environment? Because what's working now may not work when you get to the other side. Think about it. Are you ready for it? Because we don't we like the idea of getting a new job. We ready to pay the price. We like the idea of buying a company and starting over again. Are you ready to pay the price? Do you want to go for it? We struggle. But then at the point where the examination, it prepares your heart, mind, spirit to line up to do what you need to do. Number two, number one, we do what? We begin it with an examination. Number two, we develop a vision. A vision. Many bridges are built as solutions to, to existing problems. Yeah. All right, let's say it again. I was doing a job over the summer, and this old man I was working for, he goes, Russ, you don't know me because I was one of the architects for Poplar Street Bridge that was built. All right. And he began to explain to me the reasons why we've had so many, let's just say, repairs to that bridge structure. He goes, Russ, I remember the day that I, I confronted him about this test. I remember when I talked to him about these certain factors. That he, and now today, 40, 50 years later, after all that, they are now going back because they didn't want to deal with the things that were exposed at the examination stage. Uh-huh. And he goes, they called me and he got fired because he refused to sign off on certain things. And he goes, now today they're going to tell me that again. Uh-huh. And not for the first time. We have to develop a vision and create clear access points to remove unnecessary delays within our lives and ministries. Number three, if we're going to build a bridge into a new season, it begins with preparation. Yes. John Rowling, between him and his son, they begin to grow themselves. They were established. You realize today, 135 years later, his wire building techniques for cable are still used. He still holds the same pattern. Wow. Right. He has found the pattern for the cable, not the modern steel and iron cables. Yes. He holds it. And they were able to build cables three feet across 140 years ago. He said it took 18 months just to fabricate some of the cables. Figure that out. Wow. Are you really prepared? We don't like the preparation. We don't like the studying. We don't like the researching. We don't like the fact that some of our lives have to go through 12 renderings before we begin to get it right. But whether you like it or not, part of preparation is working out the renderings to make sure the final plan fits the vision. Yeah, that's good. We we don't get that. We we want to just jump in and run. I get that. Uh But if you can pull back the reins just a little bit, and begin to get a God vision for your life. Right. Right. How much different 
would the end product be? Yes. Yes. Number four, the execution of the vision <clears throat> includes being prepared to overcome all obstacles. And if you're going to build a bridge into a new season, you have to be prepared yes. to overcome the obstacles. All right. Their obstacles were many. Divers, nobody knew what the bends were. Yes. Nobody knew what they were 150 years ago. Never heard of the fact that you need to have 150 feet in the water for eight hours a day. Nobody knew how to overcome that. Yes. What do you do when you're seeing a, a, a structure down to bedrock and, it, and you're still not finding it? You have to be prepared to either go deeper or call it quits. Uh-huh. That's what separates greatness from mediocrity. Is your ability, let me say it again, what separates greatness from mediocrity is your ability to overcome unforeseen obstacles. What what separates the exceptional from mediocrity is your ability to overcome all unforeseen obstacles. I can quit because it got hard. I can quit because the truck fell. I can quit because this went wrong. It's easy to quit. Yes, it is. But when you're trying to overcome something that will not be removed, it requires being prepared for the unforeseen. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We don't like it, but I could care less what you think about it. Whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. Number five, if you're going to build a bridge into a new season, you have to prepare for an identity change. Let me say that again. You must prepare for an identity change. Because who you might become on the other side may not be the same person that started the journey. Let me say that again. When you're walking out the season of your life and your season is going through change, where you begin to build the bridge out, you may not be the same man and the same woman when you get to the other side. You may not recognize them. There are people that may have known you five years ago, but when you got through this season... And you got the other side. You don't look the same. You don't sound the same. You don't feel the same. Yeah. I remember what Bishop Phillips told me years ago. I loved him for it. He got me. He said, we were sitting down having an elders meeting one night. Having an eye on meeting. And he goes, Russ, you know, as you continue to grow and change, your temperature for things change too. And the things you used to tolerate, you no longer tolerate anymore anymore because the difference has changed. Seeking has changed, and so has you. And I laugh because I recorded Bishop Henry a hundred times on that quote. Why? Because he's right. Yeah. Something I would have tolerated for you five months ago, I will cut your legs out from underneath you from now. I will tolerate it. I will walk out the door, I will shut you up, I will push you in place, and I have 
the New York side to the Brooklyn side, there was cultural differences. Yeah. There were economic differences. There were business differences. There were different strategies and resources. And what we sometimes fail to see is that both of those resources are necessary. Yeah. You have to prepare for identity. Number six, this is the hard one. You have to know who can cross over with you. Everybody say this with me. Who can cross over with you? Who can cross over with you? It's the only question you need to ask. Uh -huh. Why? Because who was with me yesterday may not be with me tomorrow. Right. You want to grow up real quick? Let's see what happens when you get to where God wants you to be and where you're supposed to be. And you realize that as you cross over, there are some people you must leave behind. Uh -huh. Who could go with you? Not everyone. I, that's our, I love people. I love people. I do. My wife will tell you it's my greatest weakness. If my heart of compassion it used to be a little more compassionate than it is now. A little harder now than it used to be as I got older. I do apologize sometimes for that. But it is also my weakness. Why? Because uh, it's also what has costed me the most. Why? Because my compassion for people also allows me to be abused by people very often.
and one was in ministry, and one was in a personal relationship. Both tore me apart. But my wife and I agreed that what was part of that one place, there was no way they could carry over with me into tomorrow. And I intentionally and proactively dismantled every relationship connected to that part of my life. Why? Because there is seasons where there are parts of the place that look there are those that come full circle. Yes! There are those that come full circle. But there are some people that we allow into our lives that we have got to burn the connection to because they are not part of our future. Amen. Yeah. Some of us are come, so comfortable with pieces of our past, we refuse to burn with our future. Uh-huh. That's scary. Oh, yeah. uh, burn, you eat, burn, burn them, blow them up, I don't care what you guys to do. But you better have a word from God and then there was a relationship. Literally cold turkey cuts you off. Uh-huh. And it's only happened no more than twice in my life. But it was a, a violent, spiritual, emotional, and almost to the point physical battle within me. It's uh-huh. not happening yet. Uh-huh. I, I will show you kind of thing I hate you. This is the way I am. Uh-huh. I'll pick up the phone and tolerate you, and then I'll get you the number out of my phone and get on block. Now. <laughs>
need to refuel. In any of your travel on a ship or on a plane, especially in third world countries or different places in the bush, you know, there's a reason why they put those rings on the cables of the, of the ships when they dock. You know this moment they hook up and they sit there overnight, the rodents have a way of finding their way on the ship because it's in the middle of the water. Yeah. So they put those rings on it to hopefully slow them down. They have to even put it on the, the anchors to keep them from getting into the ship. But this pilot had landed. And apparently during the refueling process, a rat, he thought, had gotten into a flight. Right. So sitting in his cockpit, he takes off from the airport and it's a several-hour flight to his next destination. All right. But as he's sitting there, he hears this gnawing sound. And he kept saying to myself, a rat has got to climb the way up through the landing gear and got into the engine compartment, not into the compartment where we're sitting. And he said, fear began to grip him continuously. He didn't know. He's like, if he chooses the wrong wires, I'm going down. And he could hear the rodent chewing in the floorboards below his feet. That gets you bad. I know that noise ain't supposed to be there. And, it kind of, and he wasn't even sure he was hearing the right thing, but he knew something was wrong. And through his mind for the next few minutes, he's going, I've got over two hours to the next landing location from where I'm at. And everything's going through his mind. How do I get rid of it? What do I do if I can't crash, I can't land, I'm out I'm sure out of luck. That's a Christian version of that. I'm out of luck. What do I do next? And he began to go through his mind. He said, wait a minute. If it's a rodent, rodents are ground animals. Yeah. They are not designed for the heights of this kind of idea. And he said, he began to climb the plane 1,000 feet at a time. And he climbed 1,000 feet. He continued to reach above 20,000 feet. And continued to climb until the noise had ceased below. After an hour and a half more later, it says that he landed in the United Airport. Immediately, he can imagine that he's anxious to get out. He gets out and he climbs under the plane and asks him to open up. And they open up. Inside the compartment is a rack. And that rat, and indeed that and was chewing through vital cables for the function of the plane. Right. What we fail to see sometimes in our lives as we're trying to build bridges and, and transition and change is that there's a rodent that eats away at you, it's called worry. There's a rodent that eats away at you, it's called fear, yeah, anxiety, yeah. doubt, unbelief. And what we fail to see sometimes is that. Even though we can hear it gnawing in our background and, and know that it was happening could potentially be catastrophic, we fail to see that the rodent has confined, has specific limitations to its ability to operate. And the only way that that rodent can lose its ability to operate is if you climb higher.
Yes, yes Lord. Lord. Are you impacting your destiny or affecting you? Right. No, there's a difference between an infection. Some of us grow through infections. Yes. Say that. Some of us grow through infection. I had some last summer while working on a deck by a bunch of hornets. It was, I, I'm not allergic to them yet, but I know after a number of years of getting stung. But last summer, I thought I was. I got stung with my left shoulder and my left arm. And when I got home, I got my arm looked like the size of my thigh. Wow. And I continued to swell for about three days to the point I couldn't even move. And I did this. Yeah, Benefield did help a whole lot, but I was telling you. And so, sometimes we think we're growing because we're getting bigger, we're getting stronger. Some growing is because of swelling. Yes. Because you're swollen to infection. It's not a proactive approach. You ain't growing. Are you growing because of an infection? Or are you growing because you allow the human mindset to be able to determine what a relation Christ is? Right. That's good. That will separate. I like the pastor. I've heard I preach it many times. It's what separates the victims from the victors. It is their ability to not only build bridges, but to climb above everything else that is stopped. Right. So, Father, today, I thank you for Bethel Worship Center. I thank you for the kingdom assignment of Bethel to the community of St. Louis. I thank you for the grace on pastors to continue to empower this generation. But, Father, today we have got a challenge. How do we continue to build when there's no resource? How do we continue to build when we've given up hope? And the simple answer is, Father, show us how to climb it. Climb to the chatter has stopped. Climb to the fear has shut down. Father, may we continue to climb above the rest. I leave you an exhortation of Philippians 3, verse 13 today. I do not consider, Father, consider, brother, that I have captured and made my own. Yet the one thing I do, it is my one aspiration. Forget what lies behind and spring to what lies ahead. Father, may we today press on to the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. So that those of us, Father, who are spiritually mature and full grown, have this mind and hold these convictions. And if any respect you have a difference, add to the mind, God will make that clear to you. But Father, let us hold on to what is true. What we already have attained and walk and order our lives by that today. Father, I pray for grace, not look back, but grace to climb up it all, Father, as we continue to build bridges in the new seasons of our church, our ministries, our family, our businesses, and our destiny. Father, be glorified. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray for Father, your grace may it rest on us now. And may the peace of God rest on that book today. And may the peace of God I leave in this house as we now celebrate this family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.